2: Hello and welcome to The podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm Magazine. My name is Fergus Collins, I'm the host of The podcast, And we're well past halfway through our season of 14 episodes that we're calling A Taste of the Countryside, where we're celebrating food and drink, and especially farmers and food producers who work alongside nature and the environment as they go about their business. And this episode is a bit different, it's an extraordinary episode actually, where we're heading to the edge of the new forest to meet Deb's totty Cruttenden, as she calls herself, a self-taught beekeeper who rescues wild swarms of honeybees. She's a quite magical person, as is our host today, Tanya Jackson, and Tanya joins us in the studio later for a lovely chat about her experience. But listen on for a really fabulous podcast.
3: This is lemongrass, which is a very strong scent similar to a bee queen swarming scent okay
0: so oh, wow
3: we, you can't yeah, i you can't sniff wow yeah so it's quite strong we just dab it on the not too much because that is like fish and chip shops to them they can smell that ages away and what i'll do is set up so that the uh sheets are underneath hopefully to stop them falling through and then we'll plan to try and just depends how active they are Quite busy. <laughs> yeah, well. Okay, <laughs> cool. So we've got our box, we've got our bees, and we've got our tea. <laughs> and you're gonna be the ninth swarm in about three weeks. Really?
0: Wow. So When did you notice the bees in your garden? It's my husband. Um I think it was what would we say Wednesday, so a couple literally a couple of days ago. Okay. Yeah, so um it was just, yeah, we didn't really know what to do. So I thought, right, I will ask my uh, garden friends. <laughs> so uh, that's what we did. And someone said, cool, totty, yeah, crotty. So yeah, I get that. flashed out and that's it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's that. I mean, for me, I, I just try and collect as many bees as possible because they're unlikely to survive mm. from this situation. And, you know, I've got grandchildren and my whole thing is, it's all very well everybody's saying can we um, do something about the bees? But I'm actually out there doing it. So um, we'll go and catch our bees and give them a new home.
0: i have got a lovely swarm of bees here in this lovely fir tree in this lovely garden down in Bour- Bournemouth. They are not buzzing at all at the moment. They are just...
3: <sighs> They're just keeping it warm. In the, the queen will be in the middle somewhere mm-hmm. and their whole aim is to keep her warm right. while the... What I call the estate agent bees are moving around from that swarm and going out and about looking for a nice box. Ah. Just about the size of my nice box. So they'll be looking at that in a minute and going, wow, that looks good. In fact, if I open up the lid of it, they'll probably find we'll get some in it almost straight away. Mm -hmm. But it's getting the queen out of the middle of the bush and in the box, which is the game we're playing today. And how are you going to do that? (laughs) A bit jiggery Um We're going to, hopefully, I'll put a, a sheet underneath where they are in the tree so that if they fall, they don't fall all the way down through the tree and hopefully we'll see them. But with a bit of luck, I'll be able to get... I'm going to try the old pillowcase method because they're right in the middle. OK. If I can get a pillowcase mainly over the whole lot, I should get the queen in that
0: mm-hmm.
3: and we'll be, be able to do that in one little go which would be lovely. Okay. So I'm going to get my gloves on because this is the time they sting your fingers. So it's quite a dense um, tree. Well, because it's a fir tree, isn't it? It's a, it's a tight conifer. Hmm. There's a lot of lot of bush and bits inside, which, of course, if they scatter down the middle of that, they'll be everywhere. I much prefer them when they're on a fence post. I had one on a fence post last week but then somebody's um, little Shetland pony was talking to me while I was doing that
0: one. That was nice. <laughs> How's this going to make the bees react just before, just so we know what's going on when we're listening? Well,
3: they're going to get agitated because at the moment it's all very quiet and nobody is um, bothering them. Right. Um, so I'm going to do it as delicately as I can because I don't really want to bother them until I've actually got them in the bag. But obviously, there's an awful lot of eyes looking at me, mm. so I've just got to be careful. Okay. Um, but if they start flapping about, they're going to go off in a big. Cloud, right, and then come back to the queen, hopefully. So don't panic. They will <laughs> probably go up in the air. But uh,
0: what hope, should I do? Just just, move just, just or we <laughs> we will move back. You just stay where you are.
3: You'll be fine. Okie dokes. And um,
0: Debbie is pulling some branches down, carefully putting a white sheet on top of the branches, and right underneath the swarm, which they're hanging like a ball. And it's, as she's wobbling the tree, the ball is wobbling around. And it's hard to believe that is all bees. That's a solid mass of... Um, it looks like, you know, looks like jelly or something wobbling about. Now we've got a few bees starting to come out and see what's going on. They're crawling on her now. You can see them on her arm. But they don't seem... They're not angry yet. We'll see what happens now. She's got the sheet underneath. Got one on a glove. She's lifting up the lid of the hive. Now we've got a lovely little wooden box here with one, two, three, four, five, six frames in there, six empty frames. So if you lift one of those up, it looks like you know you see the cells of the beehive. And it's an old clean one that she's had prepared. She's doused it with lemongrass oil, which is the smell of the swarm of the the queen bee swarming smell. And there is a bee investigating it already. Now she's put the pillowcase on top of the white sheet. She's gently pulling down the branches with the swarm on, one by one. They are starting to move a lot more now. They're wondering what the heck's going on. Who's this person? This giant I'm human. Whoop. There they go. There's a big swarm. Now we can hear them buzzing and they are all over her. And She's got them in the pillowcase mainly
3: Yeah, there's
0: a lot of bees in there a lot of bees in there wow wow I'm very glad for this bee come suit right can now. Hear the noise now come up close to the swarm of bees she says <laughs> oh my god can you hear that whoa that is amazing there we have they are mainly inside the box very much
3: right we'll walk away we'll walk away <laughs> and let them decide where the queen
0: is so they've got to now find the queen it is Everything amazing the, scu- the the air is full of bees wow how are you feeling seeing your yeah, garden never, like yeah this? wow <laughs> goodness I didn't realize there was that many in there it doesn't look like it that didn't many, look it didn't look
3: very big yeah I'm, yeah, I'm really uh, quite shocked <laughs> that's
0: amazing and it's amazing watching uh, totty handle these bees so confidently yeah. isn't it <laughs> and then she goes with a tupperware pot scoop out a few more Wow, she's just tipped out a big Tupperware pot full of bees, just knocked them down into the hive. And they're all over the hive actually, all over the lemongrass. They're very happy in there. Wow, she's got her white sheet out. And she's just got, oh my goodness, hundreds more bees in there. And she's unwrapping it. I think she's going to try and sort of gently shake them down to a sort of the point, and then, oh no, maybe she's just gonna leave it there and let them find the hive, because the queen's in the hive now, so all Where they need to look, do- They're gonna
3: march in.
0: They're gonna march in. Oh, they're starting to march up the sides. Oh. Ah. She's mm. putting the lid back on, very gently. Okay. Wow. All
3: these flying around come out of the tree they know the queen is not in the tree and the front entrance you can hear that noise the noise of the bees they've turned their wings to fanning right they blow all the perfume the ceremony of the queen inside out in the air and all these bees are catching it going she's in here wow so I have to shut down as many sort of scent places that they can smell but they only go in the front entrance. Because we have to have air holes on the side of the boxes for them to breathe because they get so hot.
0: <laughs> Freaking but out as they at touch. this moment. They get hot at this moment.
3: Yeah well they'll get hot. They'll be about 37 degrees plus in that little box. Wow. So um they need air ventilation, otherwise they cook themselves. OK. But at the moment, we don't want them going to the air vent. We want them to go in the front entrance. So we move them
0: along. She's just gently using a sheet to push them out of the way, covering cover up the, the lids, covering up the air hole at the side. There's a big round vent at either side. She's covering those up, and she's leaving them a hole about... Well, three metres diameter, three, three centimetres diameter, and that's where they're all heading for. So you make a
3: little sort of a, a bit at
0: the front, to keep the scent there. I can't believe I'm standing in a cloud of bees. <laughs> it's amazing.
3: If, it wow. was, if it's most people's husbands, they've probably run away by now. <laughs> For some reason, women can stay and take the take the pain. Like you know, they, they <laughs> panic but they stand their ground. men just disappear. <laughs> you see where they're all walking in? I think. it's easier, rugby ball size? Yeah. Number wise, I don't really know. No. Probably about five thousand, six thousand, maybe more.
0: Wow. Well, okay. Um,
3: but at the moment, you've got the um, getting off the train and going down the tube type effect. They've all got to get in, get a, in the, yeah. a 10 pence hole. They, yeah. So they're
0: piling in. We're and all heading in the right direction, though, aren't they? Yeah. I yeah. know what they're doing. Amazing.
3: So we give that probably 10 minutes, half an hour, and they will all go in the box. How exciting is that? It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> And I, i've got to say twenty years i've been doing this, and it is still as still as exciting doing it today as it was all those years ago. How did you first get into beekeeping? I took up beekeeping um, I actually been looking after my mum through cancer for a few years well a few years eleven years, okay. and I just found when she died we had this big black open space, although I had three kids i have been up and down hospitals and on one thing or another, and um, just felt needed to fill it with something useful mm. and it coincided with the collapse of bees all around the world wow. and i just thought there's a mission for me i'll have a go at this i, fi- I figured if old men with beards can do it i think i can do it <laughs> and that's how we started the first talk i went to about keeping bees i was sort of like well it sounds so damned hard i didn't think i'd ever, ever actually get bees to stay There were so many diseases they talked about and everything. Okay. And the pesticides, which obviously aren't helping the bees. Mm. Um, But to be truthful, um, I've always gone down the lines of I treat my girls here like I treat my kids. I give them food, I keep them clean, and I have a nice big area for them to live in. Fantastic. But we don't use any chemicals. And we're actually, we're fine. So we're chemical free. And much to every, all these old peoples who've been doing bees for years who said it would fail, they're sort of looking at me now going, oh. <laughs> so there you go. Don't like chemicals in any fashion. And, you know, bees have been around since dinosaur days. So I think they know much more better how to survive than we do. Mm. I think we're killing the planet a lot, lot quicker than they're managing to. So we'll let them get on and do their own thing. That's, That's amazing. So. And you can hear that noise now. It's calming down noise-wise. Yeah. They're all talking about getting in the box.
0: See, so she just casually picks up a bee and tosses it towards the hive. I mean, that's just a lot of experience as to how not to squash it. And a lot of confidence. You're used to the different noises of bees. Yes. And this is, a, this is the noise of some bees going, right. Do you want me to hold it on right in? What now? Oh yeah. All right, Thanks. stand
3: by. Okay, we're getting nearer the girls. And... That is the noise of thousands of bees flapping their wings, telling everybody else the queen's in the box. Gosh. What you got? Now that is a male bee. Ooh, he's gone. A male bee has no sting. Ah. And... They're rather good for teaching children because you can, I take them into schools and they can handle them because wow. there's no sting. Um, I do have to tell them it's totty trained though, otherwise they'll be picking them out in the garden, <laughs> which is not a good move. Um, but yes, it's the only one, it's, as I say, it's built for love. It doesn't want to sting anything. Its only aim is to sit around, eat food, loaf about and wait for a queen <laughs> to go out for a bit of nookie and that's it. That's all it wants to do. <laughs>
0: Queen's harem.
3: Yeah, it is. They wait. They don't even worry if it's come from this box. They'll go for any queen. They're not fussy. <laughs> but I always like the, the way it finishes with the the bees have got the good good sense of this one because she will go off on her first mating, and she will mate with as many queen uh, as many drone males as she can find, mm-hmm. and all the males cluster up in the air pockets and wait for a queen to fly by and they all charge after her and the first one to mount her in the air will um, give her his give her his worth and then as he flicks backwards to release he loses part of his body and drops to the floor dead. So Whoa. she's got no baggage to carry with her and then the next chappie jumps on board. Goodness me. So years ago they would have mated with probably... 20 drones when we had a lot of bees Mm -hmm. now we're lucky if they mate with about eight and the reason they do that is so that all the bees in the hive are sort of they're all related by the mother but there's a cross match from the fathers so you might get some feisty bees in there some calm bees it's a way of giving you a good cross mixture of bees to look after your hive Yeah, at at this stage, they're generally not um, stingy, shall we say, because they have... When they left their original hive, they would have gorged themselves on the honey supplies in that hive in order to have enough food in their tummies to then reproduce wax at their next house so they can get straight into mass production. They don't have to go out and forage... In there, there's probably a good pound of honey in tummies. Right. Which is why beekeepers who do look after bees don't like their bees to swarm, because okay. they can take half your stock of honey in a swarm and disappear. OK. But it means that these are fully equipped to get straight into the new world of uh, a new home. Inside the box with the frames, 24 hours later, that would have all new wax on it. All white wow. wax that they will... have made constructed from the food they've carried on them are the males the bigger ones
0: yes the males are
3: like that like one a, more like a teddy bear oh, okay
0: you've spied one have you i have but there's no i've got no hope of trying to show you where it is because six thousand bees here there's there's one there's one right now oh okay
3: getting by his feet he's got wide big eyes yeah. either side of his head because yeah. he needs to see where a queen's coming from he's very fluffy he's a got sting. a bit of a moustache on his head oh yeah and he's got a flat fluffy bum <laughs> and quite literally he will not have a sting so I will oh, take my glove off to show our lovely lady that's given us the swarm today <laughs> Here we go His only aim is to literally wait around for a nice young virgin queen, and then they whack into action. But his last last effort of action is to actually mate with a queen, and then he's gone. Mm. You have about 10% boys in a hive. They don't have hundreds of them because they don't do a lot. As for the help of the hive, all the workers are ladies. Of course,
0: say no more. (laughs) Do you know what species of bee this is?
3: I would say it's got Italian mix in there, Mm. uh, because it has quite a gingery stripe. Um, The more native type bees crossed with other bees tend to be darker. Mm -hmm. She's a fairly good size. I've got bees that are smaller than her. And the number in the swarm tells me it's probably Italian. Okay. The Italians are known for Drinking wine, being merry and making great big hives. So they're the first generally to start swarming in the spring when they decide there's not enough room for them. (laughs) So this is probably a mainly Italian trace. So how come this swarm wouldn't have survived by itself in the
0: wild? Like, why do we need to rescue these bees?
3: A lot of bees uh, would have had chemicals given to them for against diseases that bees will get. Mm-hmm. and some of them will have had what they call a varroa treatment, right. which is a vapour that they put through the hive and it should hopefully kill off your uh, varroa mite, which is a bit like a crab. Really? lives on the bee, it's a little parasite job and the varroa mite breeds when the um, bees have brood. So for me, when I collect a swarm there is no brood so the Vroamite, mite, if there were any will have died out before these girls have got brood for her to plant her eggs in okay. so the, the Varroa mite lives in the cell while the uh, larvae is pupating into a, a proper bee and in there she will mass produce, there will be uh, one or two Vroamites mites will go in and perhaps eight will come out So it's a massive production level. Right. But the system that I've always used, i.e. catching swarms, I have been so far extremely lucky that we've never had a problem with varroa mite. Okay. It could all change this year, but who Mm -hmm. knows? So far, I've been doing it 18 years. I treated varroa mite the very first year I started and never again. Really? And the reason was we were all told to do it across the board. And I did ask at the bee meeting I was at, and I said, well, what if you don't see varroa mite? Mm -hmm. Why are we giving them these chemicals? And the answer came back, well, you obviously don't know what you're looking at, followed by how many hives have you got? And I said 15, whereupon the man just turned around and walked away. (sighs) So I figure he probably thought I did know what I was looking at. But no, I I just think the careful management and what you're bringing into your apiary... Mm. You know, if you don't bring disease in, then you don't habitat it where they are. So I'm just careful, Mm -hmm. careful not to bring extras in.
0: Right, they're looking good, aren't they? Yeah. Is it true they send out a signal, one of them feels threatened or ill or is dying, and then the others will follow an attack? That's more wasps. That's more wasps, is it? Yes, that's
3: wasps as far as I know. Okay. Um, If you have, if you kill a wasp... It gives off a pheromone which tells all the other wasps and it's like a beacon. Right. So, when you get these people that kill a wasp at a pub and they put it on the table and, like, oh yes, I'm big, I've killed this wasp, and in the next five minutes they're covered in them, that's why. Okay. So, the best thing is if you kill a wasp and there's a noisy crowd behind you, put it on their table and they'll leave ever so quickly. (laughs) Works for me.
0: (laughs) Excellent tip.
3: Yeah, we the haven't camping. Seen the queen.
0: Actually,
3: <laughs> we haven't actually seen the queen. But because they've gone in the box as well as they have, they are most definitely in there. She's in there somewhere. And when we wrap up this, there will still be a few flying around. There'll always be a couple coming because they'll have been out foraging. Mm-hmm. They will see the queen is no longer in the tree. They will check the area probably for maybe 24 hours, and then they will fly back from wherever they came from. So they won't die. It's unlikely yeah. they'll die. They'll just return, because without a queen, there's no reason staying here. Mm-hmm. So they'll just go back and slot back into the hive they came from.
0: What would happen if you didn't rescue them? What would happen to a swarm? They, they
3: might make it through the summer in a tree. Um, they'd build a nest
0: in a tree they
3: would they'd, they'd set up a wax foundation and they would make a natural bee comb inside mm-hmm. and a bees bee comb hangs from uh, vertical okay and a wasps cone runs horizontal ah. so if you see uh, a cone in a tree that's hanging from top to bottom that is most definitely honeybees okay and if you see it like a stack of records it's definitely wasps, Okay. I'm
0: remembering wasps will sting you, that's not a good move. Hmm. Totti's walking around now, lifting up the lids of some different hives, having a look inside, she's got no gloves on, no hood, bees buzzing all around her, but thinks she might have picked a hive.
3: The one I just looked in yeah. has got uh, a s- foundations in there from a hive that didn't survive because it actually had a mouse in there oh no so the mouse had a lovely winter but the bees didn't survive but that's where this lot will go so I'm going to settle them on the stand next to them right and let them sort of get their orientation set their satnav, as it were okay before I then try and put them into the proper hive so I'll go over there you stay here okay because it could get exciting
0: and the box is next to the new home the new hive <laughs> And she's just letting the bees have a little sniff around, little wrecky, see where they are. What's the effect of the other bees next to them? You know, how do they interact? Is there any sort of danger that the other bees will go, oi, it's my territory?
3: They will react if the new bees go onto the doorstep of the other bees because they will smell different. OK. So it's all to do with your perfume. And the perfume is all to do with your queen. So each of these, you've got like a Chanel number no. 4, you've got a Charlie 5, you've got all sorts going on here. <laughs> and if they turn up at the wrong doorstep, the um, guard bees, which will cover the front entrance, will sniff them out and literally throw them out, unless you're a drone, as in a male, mm-hmm. and they seem to have free-for-all wherever they want to go.
0: <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Because they can just go in and mate with another queen and well, they, nobody minds.
3: They'll, they'll sneak food wherever they can. Okay. They'll lodge up wherever they can, and then uh, sort of on a day like today, they'd be up in the um, thermals. Oh yeah. And they collect in little clouds of bees. Some people have actually seen them where you can see a queen bee flying and a literally a swarm of drones following. Wow. And you know the que- the queens sort of come out of there, all naive, bless them, go up there looking, and the next thing there's a, a big bash goes on. <laughs> um... The lot we picked up today, there was such a, th- a lot of them in there, I'm going to put them straight into a straight hive. OK. And the fact that we're pa- fairly happy they are more of an Italian background, uh, they're probably going to breed like masses and they'll be going potty
0: in there. OK. Can you taste the difference between in the honey between a native bee and like an Italian?
3: No, no. no. The honey is purely uh, taste-orientated, well, as far as I know, by what they're feeding on
0: Okay, right. so yeah. all these
3: bees here in this little row will more than often be feeding on the same crop at that month the heather one in the end of the year is thick dark bubbly oh, wow. honey um, whereas the first honey is like golden and that would have probably been off the blossom um, the hazel and the chestnut now we didn't know there was sweet chestnut here until a few weeks ago when we brought our first dog down here again and we walked off piece where we don't normally go. And mm-hmm. in the back of this woodland, there's a great patch of sweet chestnut. Oh. So that's where they've been going. So uh, all sorted. Anyway, I'm going to get my gloves. OK. And I'm going to get a quick drop of water. And then we'll go over this way. And you can see what's going on down there. Great. This is rhubarb we've got. Uh-huh. Now, we talked earlier about the varroa mite. Yes. Now, the varroa mite, the chemical that they would put into the hive is aloxic acid. Okay. That is present in the leaf of rhubarb. So what we do is we take the leaves off when they get a bit bigger than that. Take the leaves off, shred them up a bit, put them in the top of the hive, and the bees are disgusted because they don't want rubbish in their hive. Mm -hmm. So they chew it all up like tea leaves. They drag it all the way through the hive and they chuck it out the front door. Wow. And in that process, the rhubarb leaf with the oxic acid is going all the way down through the hive. Whether that is stopping my varroa mite or whether that's just fluke, I don't know. But we don't have varroa mite. That's ingenious. What a great idea. I'm hoping that the natural system here we've got with the rhubarb leaves is enough to keep it at bay. And it's been so far so fantastic well long may that work so now we go down to what my husband would consider the feisty hives so i'm gonna hood up okay i wondered why you
0: brought all all your gear and not put it
3: on yes yes i'm I'm all right over there but now we're going to go near these girls we'll put the hoods on so tell me about these bees well these are more long-lasting bees that have been with us for a long time and the different aspects as you can see looking forward Mm -hmm. they have a lot more sun Okay. And they work a lot faster with the sun for longer hours. Yep. And the knock-on effect is you have a larger set of hives. And they are more prolific
0: uh-huh.
3: and you get a lot more honey off of these. They're probably the Italian-based girls. And we we've gradually filled it up. We're gonna probably have to put some more shelves in this year.
0: Okay
3: but um, we have uh, gradually worked along. We've done some splits with hives, which means if I look into a hive and she's produced queen cells, yeah, that means they're getting ready to swarm. So if I look in and go, oh, there's a queen cell, I can then go, right, I'm going to split this hive myself. So I would go in and I would take a couple of frames that have got queen cells on, make sure one was remaining, Take those out, take some frames with honey on, take some frames with pollen. Shake some nurse bees off the original hive into the, the one you're, you're making up. Because nurse bees, for the first few weeks of their life, they don't actually fly. So even though they're in the wrong nest, in the wrong hive, they can't fly back to the other one. Whereas any of the bees that were on the frames that went in originally... They will just fly straight back because their sat-nav is going to tell them they're in the wrong house. Right. So they'll just fly home. So t- in order to get a group of bees to keep your brood you've sent over warm, you shake in the nurse bees. Right. And you can shake them in from any hive and just add them all together. Most of my bees have come from within Verwood. Um, the first lot here came from a, a garden... Uh, it collected itself under the child's swing in their back garden. And as you can see, that's one, two, three, three and a bit high. Um, the next one was a swarm we got from a friend's garden. That was huge when it arrived and that went straight into a big box. The one we're looking at, looking at us, mm-hmm. is a, um, a split from this first one. Okay. So there were so many bees in this one. Once we could see there were some queen cells, we split it in half. And that's what went into that one. And then the last lot I have here is this end section. And we got a phone call from an old boy in uh, Verwood. He said he'd got bees hanging in his tree. And we went along. It was about 7 o'clock at night. He was out there in his shorts and his top with his pliers and wanted to help. <laughs> oh. I ascertained he was 96. <laughs> And he wasn't going to have it. He wasn't going to get involved. And I said to him, look, darling, I said, I've i got a suit on a new oven. I said, I think you'd better stop over there. But it was the first swarm he'd ever seen. And it was oh, wow. massive. And that's his swarm. So I hope to take some honey round to him this season. The bear, he, he's still going well. Oh, good. But, um, but between them, all of them put together, when we cross match queens and drones, hopefully we'll get a perfect... Be here for the area. They're all hitting my hat. <laughs> Are they going for it? Right, Give me the willies. Off. Let's wander off. So, last before we go and leave the property, mm-hmm. we will have a look in a box that was a swarm. Yep. I'll get my smoker, get my tool, and you can peer inside or run away as you choose, <laughs> and we'll just see how they're getting on. And I will come back probably tomorrow and go through all of them. Okay. And I'm looking for the queen cells, which, if there's a queen cell, if you've been listening, you'll know, That yep. means they're going to swarm. So I would have to do something. I could either knock down the queen cells so they can't swarm and put another box on top so they can fill it up with honey. Mm-hmm. Or I can go, I could split this like we have with the other one over there, and make two hives by taking the queen cells out and some young. So that's the way we multiply our bees on site and prevent swarming and disappearing as best we can. This is... um, Everybody thinks it's some magical chemical in there. It's just cardboard. Okay. The only thing we're looking to do naturally... If you were a bee in old olden times, you would have lived in a, a forest. Yeah. And if you live in a wax house, in a wood tree, and you smell flame and forest, you hit panic buttons. Yeah. So what a bee does when it hits panic buttons is she will go, we need to leave, so it's like an emergency swarm. So they go through the same process as they would when they swarmed, i.e. they go and feast on as much honey as they can get in their tummies. Okay. And that would get them prepared, should they have to leave, they've got the energy involved to set up a new home. But for me, it means that when I look in the box, instead of seeing lots of bees looking at me thinking, I'll have you, I see lots of bottoms with the heads in the cells eating the honey. Okay, It makes them slightly less... uh, Punchy, shall we say. And this contraption,
0: so we've got a bellows here at the side. Yeah, it's a very old school contraption. It's fab. And then we've got a, a, what kind of metal is that? I think it's probably steel. Steel, got an old steel. It used to be copper. Of... I've got some copper ones at home wow. with Like cow, cow hide. So it's like a cylinder with a kind of You've
3: nozzle got a whole, at the end. hole at the bottom. looks a bit puff, like puff. a, and it sends the air through the unit. Looks to me
0: like a clanger. Clanger. A metal clanger with its eyes. Yes, I can see your. I can see where you're coming from. We like
3: clangers. Yeah. Have to be, I'd have to be the smoke dragon, wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. the, the soup dragon it was in those days, wasn't it? So we don't mess about with matches because we've given up on that game. So we light up the smoker which is an art in itself. I've got yeah. to say, it all looks very clever, but you've got to keep it alive. So we get some, in this case, I've got newspaper to start her up. Then I've got cardboard packaging, recycled. Mm-hmm. get that all going, a bit of puff-puff. So now we've got a fire, basically, in there. We don't really want a fire, we just want smoke. So we're now going to shove some... some damp grass and things like that in the top which as we all know from youngsters days when dad put wet grass and stuff on your fire your mum came out shouting because the washing was getting smoked because <laughs> it makes a hell of a stink mm. uh, right so i'm going to find some grass straight away you'll see the smoke colour change oh, yeah. and that's that's all we want we want a good puff of smoke there's a few bees now. There you now, and um, that, will, that will make them send the alert through the bees, and they will go in and hide underneath and start eating the honey, mm. ready for their escape should their house burn down. Um, the bees will naturally put propolis around the tops of their hives. Oh yeah, propolis is like an antiseptic. Uh, it's like glue, really. No nails, glue for bees. But it's um, they collect it from mainly, I believe, horse chestnut. Oh. They collect it off the buds. The horse chestnut produces it because nothing else will eat it, therefore the buds survive. The bees nick it because, again, it's antiseptic and that stops the bugs going in there. Wow. So they're using it as a, medi- a medical doorway sort of thing to stop everything going in. Amazing. So I'm going to hood up because we're now going to go in amongst it all. So when we get near the hive, I will put some smoke in the front door okay, and you'll hear the noise of the girls go what the hell and then we'll give them a few seconds because they send send the um, message by the buzz and the vibration in the hive and it will take a few minutes to get from the front door all the way through and then we'll have a look and see what they've been up to the front of the hive we give a puff of smoke and if you listen Right, that's that's a quiet hum. That's just a steady working hum. Message will go round. Okay, so they're now telling everybody in there what's going on. Prep ourselves ready for action, because once we get in there, we don't want to be looking for things. Bear in mind, they are aware of vibration. Vibration would have come originally from bears that would have knocked over their hive. Any bashing around them will alert them. Now, this is the box I said, should we put feed in? Okay. Now, that was full to the top like ice cream. It's upside down and it's over the bee's top of the house where there's like a chimney effect. Wow. So that is for air to get in and through. So they come in the front entrance Mm -hmm. and it just works like a chimney. So when they're hot, they can fan heat out and when they're cold, they can fan heat in. Okay. It's amazing. And that's just
0: a little... Chinese takeaway, yeah, upside down box. Re- reproduce
3: Chinese takeaways into beekeepers' sugar delight <laughs> and keep my girls happy. We tend to give it to a new swarm because they've got a lot to do in the first few weeks, okay, and it's all happening in their little world. So, we're going to have a we're going to take the lid off now because we smoked it from the bottom, they've instinctively would have come up the top, so we're going to give that a. to kill them there's no heat with that it's just a horrible smoke that will make you want to you know smokers out there it makes me wonder why you do it That's all I can say (laughs) because if we take off the top board and we're now into the upper part of the chambers this hopefully will be honey perhaps bear in mind they've only been there so we take out a frame that's not used at the edge so that we have access without bashing our bees. Could have. Now that's the white wax that I spoke to you about. That's all fresh wax that they've built up. And as we get in. have hmm. yeah, got a motorbike. Right. You're all right, you're all right. He's more interested in that because it's dark. Oh dear, they're getting stuck
0: in the mic. <laughs> yeah, like that. So oh, they like blimey.
3: That. They can probably get the vibration. On the edge here, this is honey that has been. Brought in as nectar, okay, and in the center, you can still see it's liquid, yeah. And here,
0: oh, look oh, at honey,
3: there you can see the little maggoty creatures, yeah. So that's your larva, uh huh. And in the middle is actually brood, okay. So if I crack one of these open in there, oh wow, that's the baby, is what would have been your bee. But there are no varroa mite in there. Okay. So I would crack some open to check for varroa mite, but I haven't found any yet.
0: So, all right. Yeah. They're into your mics. They're getting a bit feisty, I think. Well, we had to abandon our efforts there with the feisty Italian bees on the end because they were too attracted to the sound and and the, the frequencies, I think, of the recorder. They were all... Dive bombing the, uh, the fuzzy bit of the fur mic.
3: head. They like the look of. They yeah. thought that was a bit of a bear. <laughs> but, um, so we plugged, plugged our smoker up now, so we don't gas ourselves
0: in the car. <laughs> and We're going to wind our way. Yeah, and we've had a look inside some of the other hives. It's just been amazing. Totti thank you so much for today. you has been absolutely welcome. It's been brilliant. And you, have you been scared? Honestly. Honestly, no, not scared. No. I've been a little bit twitchy at one point, but yeah. that was, I think, because I'm wearing. Headphones and so yeah, them you, going in the mic suddenly seems very loud. You can hear loud. it more. Yeah, definitely. you can probably hear it louder than
3: I can with that. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But the the actual experience of being next to bees is it's just mind boggling. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, and a AM member FDSE.
2: So if you ever wanted to hear a B close up, that was the podcast for you. <laughs> I'm delighted to say Tanya has joined me in the studio. Tanya, great recording.
0: Thank Fabulous you. Guest. Hello.
2: Great to see you. Fabulous guest, Totti or Debs. Can you can you clarify? Debs or Totti.
0: Um, I think it's Totti. I think she likes to be known as Totti.
2: She, uh, yeah, right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So we will call her Totti. Um <laughs> She's amazing. That was the most, she was so full of hard-won wisdom and bee lore. Mm. I loved all that. And she was talking about how she'd done it pretty much off her own bat and hadn't followed conventional wisdom quite a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, she's great. She's a, she's a force of nature and, um, and really great to, to listen to. I could listen to her all day.
2: Well, I've never learned so much about Inside a Beehive, as I had with you and Tossie. Uh, on your adventures I what I would, didn't include and gather also she's got this wonderful wildlife kind of wilderness wild she garden
0: has. she yeah. has well it's it's a wild woodland but it that's where she has all her her beehives um and they're all very recycled they're all, all sort of upcycled bits of wood old hives that she's found Is it yeah. just open to family and friends just family and friends yes. and sometimes she takes little groups there as well.
2: Yeah, and lucky and lucky podcasters.
0: Yeah.
2: So obviously, we heard the bees getting quite angry at the end there and in the got into the microphone. Now we we use these they're basically to stop the wind. Interfering with our recordings, but the bees really like them by the sound of things. So you've got that sort of intense buzzing.
0: They were very attracted to it. And obviously, wearing headphones while I was recording, it was quite a sensory trip, really. Holding this microphone, and, and suddenly in my ears, there were very, very loud bees. Uh, but they just couldn't resist it. No matter how much I held it in the smoker, they just kept coming and, and in the end we had to turn it off i think it was the frequency of the microphone they were picking up oh, on oh, or buzzing or something yeah
2: there were a couple of occasions where you sounded a little bit nervous being surrounded by lots and lots of stripy sting, stingy creatures but totty didn't seem to seem pretty relaxed about the whole thing and
0: she's um, very relaxed She said i've been stung loads of times doesn't you get used to it? She
2: doesn't have those um, anaphylactic shocks. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you sometimes hear.
0: No. I was suited up and, and so was she.
2: And great insight into the, the way that the males just sort of on a pub crawl from hive to hive enjoying <laughs> themselves while all the females are working really hard. And she obviously she was quite sort of there were a couple of arch comments about that kind <laughs> of gender divide of work, which um, was, was really you know pointed. And quite amusing. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you get to taste the honey? I did. I did. We didn't. Uh, we didn't have. We didn't have a recording of that moment. What was it like?
0: It's delicious. It's very delicious. It's very different from commercial honey in the way that it's produced. Um, so, the honey is only taken from the hive when the hive is full up with honey, and it's really only as a measure to stop the bees inside it swarming because they've realised there's not enough room for them anymore because it's completely full with honey. You can really taste what the bees are feeding on, and it's all kind of uh wild flowers on the heathland surrounding the woods, and it's has got a lovely floral, quite a creamy kind of taste.
2: So if I mean I have seen the odd swarm of bees in the in the wild. Uh in Bristol once when I was living in Bristol, I saw a big, intense swarm. And I didn't actually call a bee. It eventually sort of dispersed or went somewhere. And what do people do? do they, how do they contact Totty, is she just well-known locally, or does she have a sort of Totty Bee Rescue Services SOS?
0: <laughs> she, well, you can find her on Facebook. It's called Totty's Good Life, and I think that's generally how, it's, how she's um,
2: passed around. So, um, but to- Totti would only presumably just do her local area with a sort of radius of however many miles. She's not going to come all the way to South Wales. For, no, unfortunately not, no. But
0: her local area keeps her very busy. I mean, that yeah. was her ninth call-out that week. Oh,
2: my goodness. Yeah. So she's growing her sort of bee... Empire.
0: She is um, so. Uh, um, don't... These
2: wild bees, well, all sort of coming out of hives, but going off into the wild, and she gets them first. That's right. Well, thank you, Tossie. Lovely to hear your great stories and the tales of your bees. Now we don't have any honey to try today, but and obviously that's a sacking offence. Yes, Tanya. Sorry, but in lieu of that, I have because it's this sort of, we're getting into the sort of harvest time of year, and I've been noticing more and more berries and fruit. Made, well in fact, my wife made these some oh. plum flapjack from wow. fallen plums and oats that I didn't grow myself. But These are plums from a plum tree that is on my oh gosh uh, in, in my neighborhood.
0: I didn't even know that you could make plum no, not, plum as I, not as I, but
2: these are I think it's probably as good as eating oh. Rani. Really. So have a have They're a taste amazing. of a, the you. first harvest flapjack of the year.
0: Mm. So soft.
2: There is honey in flapjacks.
0: Mm, really good. Wow. Those plum flavors It's a been spicy. Mm. some spices in yeah, there.
2: There's, there's definitely cinnamon and... Mm. So that's a great thing to do with... Uh, we might even put the recipe up on the, on the website.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. The harvest
2: Plum Flapjack. It is that time of year, harvesting. Have you been out and about gathering berries and blackberries and things from the hedgerow? Or?
0: We've done the odd blackberry walk. Nothing that fruitful at the moment. I think because it's been so very hot, the blackberries are looking quite kind of dried out. I sort of want to wait until it's rained and then I'll feel I can I can take some some berries. I, I just I'm just aware that, you know, yeah. wildlife is suffering at the moment. So
2: it is we are still in the middle of this drought. And certainly in the south of England and south of Wales, everything is dry as a chip at the moment. Mm. And I've noticed blackberries. I went blackberrying at the weekend well, along the river. There are obviously some blackberry bushes that had tapped down to where the river is, and they had wonderful black fruit, really juicy. And but all the ones away from the river, along the hedgerows, tiny, green, hard, miserable-looking. I mean, obviously, it will ripen. Uh, so it's going to take a bit of rain. But there's an absolutely no rain forecast. We're recording this early August. There's no rain forecast down down where I am in Avigavenny. No rain forecast in Bristol, where we're sitting now.
0: None in Wiltshire.
2: And in Wiltshire, where you where you live, it's strange times. You've also been out and about uh, on the coast, then finding finding water in some way.
0: We have absolutely yes. We've been doing lots and lots of camping this year, or always by the beach, which has been wonderful. I've been to Pembrokeshire, Cornwall, um, Dorset.
2: Wonderful. And and any kind of wildlifey or experiences to share, any ah. sightings. We always we always have a segment. Jack and Hannah, who helped me make the podcast, aren't here today. So they always get put on the spot. What wildlife have you found this week? And there's always tales to tell.
0: Well, I don't know if this counts, really, but we took the kids crabbing for the first time ever. Crabbing Uh, counts? Great, because it was great fun. and, um, And it was lovely to see them. But actually, there was a couple staying in our campsite who took their kids crabbing the day before and had caught quite a few crabs and released them onto the pontoon at which point apparently there was a slight massacre of seagulls as they all descended and started oh no <laughs> started oh, having their dinner Poor which crabs. was a bit of a shock for the young children and for the Dutch couple oh, um, so to yeah
2: be, to your crabs back into the, into yes. the
0: water we, we ordered them with bacon as well afterwards oh, I see. The bacon so, in the, yeah, uh, that's the way net. Tra-
2: yeah crabbing is one of the great it's a, it's a very quick route to getting kids into enjoying Small creatures, wild creatures. Um, it's just that pure joy of catching something and seeing it up close and pulling it out of the murky depths. Mm. I've done a lot of crabbing with with my son. Um,
0: have you seen much wildlife? Well, I have,
2: I have. I was going to. I was going to. Sort of, I went to a nature reserve down on the Gwent Levels called Great Traston Meadows. It's the Gwent Levels are sort of this forgotten area just to the south and east of Newport. Amazing, completely, just beautiful, full of these. Ditches and watery water meadows. Not very watery this time of year. Anyway, some corners of them are totally was just full of wildflowers at the moment. I was walking through here catching grasshoppers with my son, and I was stopped bolt dead in my tracks, because between two it was sort of there was a little track running through the grass, but between two stems was this spider's web, and in the middle was this bright yellow spider it was huge its body was about the size of my thumb and (gasps) I've got quite big thumbs really and its legs would have spanned the entire palm not the fingers but the palm of my hand wow and it sat in the web it had stripes on its body I have no idea. I've never seen anything like it before and in its web there was a large mostly eaten grasshopper species or a bush cricket It turned out to be a wasp spider, so I got it identified. It was the most exotic creature I've ever seen in Britain, I think.
0: Are they native?
2: They are. They are. And they're relatively common in old meadow, old pasture, particularly wetland meadows, where they eat grasshoppers and other things that just happen to fly by. But gosh, I wouldn't want to get tangled in its web because (laughs) it was the most dramatic, beautiful creature. So I'm kind of what a point I'm getting at is just the capacity to still be surprised by British wildlife. And we do talk a lot about declines of nature and a lot of precious things have been lost in the last 50 years. But actually, if you get out there, it was just the smallest little nature of, well, a few hectares of grassland right on the edge of Newport docks. But, and there were also lots of kind of rare butterflies there as well, which I couldn't identify because they were flying so fast. But magic, it really restored my sort of faith in just go and explore. Keep exploring. You always find stuff. Please do send us your stories of what you've been up to. We'd love to hear them. Any tales of finding interesting critters, you can contact me. My email address is editor at countryfile.com. And all our contact details are in the description of this podcast. And also we would love to hear your any recordings you make of the countryside. We're out there with our recorders and we're trying to capture interesting sounds. But we'd love to hear your late bird song, any buzzing of crickets or grasshoppers and any sort of odd noises that you've heard in the countryside that you'd like to share from us we, we we like these little audio postcards and again you can send them to that same email address and we'll play them but for now thank you tanya great to hear your adventures with bees and we will be back i know with another podcast down in kent maybe a quick little teaser about that what you're up to in kent
0: I'm down in Kent, visiting an organic vineyard where the wildlife is very much part of their everyday
2: day life. Brilliant, brilliant. That's what this whole season's been about. That's episode 12. Um, so listen out for that towards the end of August. But for now, thank you so much for listening to us. And join us again. Another countryside adventure next week. Bye bye.